We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pod Maverick After Dark. I'm Kirk Henderson, joined for the second straight night by uh, with uh, Josh Bow of Mavs Moneyball as well. We're coming to you. It's about 9.25. Sorry for the late start time on the stream. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks defeated the Brooklyn Nets 119-107. It was Kyrie's first return back to Brooklyn. Uh, really just a delightfully entertaining game. I, I You know... I sort of struggled to figure out what we're going to talk about here, other than the fact that I, I the Mavericks sort of came out, punched, punched the nets in the mouth, repeatedly punched the nets in the mouth, and then went cold for just a little bit, only to score enough to kind of close out the game. <laughs> How much of this did you get to watch? I watched pretty much all of it. Um, uh, you know, I think I got a little like I, you know, I missed like the first. Well, I mean, I just caught up on DVR, but I didn't get, I didn't sit down uh, right at game time, but I was able to fast forward, you know, through fast forward through commercials to get the live play uh, quick enough because of the early start time it makes it tougher for us, for us dads. Um, mm. But this was, yeah, it was a pretty fun game. Um, very, very normal game for Kyrie. Very just one out of 82. Nothing special about this game at all. You could really see it uh, when he had his first alley dunk. <laughs> Can we trick ever. him into telling that, that that we're playing the Brooklyn Nets every night? Yeah, not only like I think that was his first alley dunk ever. I think, it was, but it was a one-handed tomahawk. Like <laughs> totally normal game. Kyrie definitely didn't have any extra emotion uh, for this one. For, it, for, they might as well have been playing the Charlotte Hornets for all he knew, right? For for everybody that doesn't know what Josh is talking about, last night, and Brad Townsend knew what he was doing. Brad Townsend, like, so a lot of times what happens after games, 
beat reporters attempts to get some boilerplate type stuff out of players in an attempt to write a game story that is, I don't want to necessarily say pushing a narrative, but they, they have an idea of what they're going to write around. Kyrie going back to Brooklyn is a story. Kyrie, uh, uh, Brad asked Kyrie a question and basically got a minute long answer about how Kyrie's not there. There is no, nothing extra. He's excited to go back to Brooklyn, but there's nothing extra in the game. And he then, I kind of like, I was just tired when I saw it, but he used a phrase that included the words normalize. And like, I sort of bristle at the concept of like therapy speech. And, and when we're talking about sports, like sports is fun. It's fine. It's it's not supposed to be super serious. And Kyrie got real serious while kind of being mad at Brad. It's a great answer. It's just a minute long of him being mad. And it's, then, you know, it's not unique to Kyrie. All these guys. No, but he really has been kind of quiet. Like, he doesn't give yeah. real, like, the mass media has mostly left him alone. So for him to get, like, confrontational, it just hasn't happened this year. I know. And then it's just funny because he scores 20 points in the first half. Just like, it was, you know, it's, ass. Yeah, it was very obvious that he cared about this game. So I just, I, look, as a, you know, he's 31 years old. I don't expect him to bring the juice like this every night, but he was on fire in terms of just attacking and the offense felt different with that yeah i mean you want one of the best shooters ever to, to shoot a lot right like, he passes up shots sometimes and it's like no man you're you're catching and shooting the three please keep shooting yeah it was probably you know he took 10 three-pointer what we were we were talking uh last night after the philly game he only took three three-pointers although it was still fine they scored well they won Yep. And he's averaging like, I think, seven per game, three point yep. attempts. And we were like, that needs to be like eight, nine, maybe even 10. And he had 10 tonight. I mean, like, he made six of them because he's one of the best three point shooters, like, ever uh, in terms of like percentage and, and, and degree of difficulty, spot up shooting, you name it. Uh, and yeah, he was awesome. He took a lot of shots and, and he made a lot of them. And, and the Mavericks won relatively like this was a, I mean, it wasn't. A, a wire to wire game because Brooklyn made a like kind of jumped the game up a little bit in the first quarter, but mm-hmm. the Mavericks took a lead with like three or four minutes left in the in the first quarter, and I think you know they led the rest of the game. And they I don't think Brooklyn on. got it to, to it. They didn't get it to a one shot game mm-hmm. after that, so it was never really all that close. So yeah, the, the Mavericks had like a seven zero run to end the first quarter when it was tied at twenty four, and then they just never looked back. Um, at one point leading in the 20 points again, which, you know, in some of my group chats that I'm in, Oh, Mavs are up by 20, (laughs) but this was, this was just sort of one of those games. And, um, I don't understand how Luka Doncic plays 43 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. This game was perfect. Um, cause besides Kyrie being awesome and Luka being pretty awesome and them winning, this was like, a 2023 Mavs game where it's like they won, but it feels like everyone is still kind of mad anyway. Right. Which I'm, you know, I yeah. like watching Luca play. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's it's just it's just funny because this this was a pretty. You know, there wasn't really anything like this. This went to script. Like Brooklyn mm-hmm. is a bad team. The Mavericks are like, what are they? They play like the seven. They play like the 96 Bulls against under 500 teams this season. Uh, and they beat, you know, they beat them. They led by double digits the whole game. So it's like there's nothing really here other than, you know, guys, the guys that played well should have and, and the bad team looked like a bad team. 
But then it's like, wait, Luca played 43 minutes in a game the Mavericks were like leading all game by double digits. And mm-hmm. and some guys came back down to earth. And it's like, well, where did Derek Jones Jr. go? And and Grant Williams had more turnovers than made shots. And it's like just enough little things happened uh for people to, to come away from this game mad because somebody has to be mad after after a sure. game. So it's Which I, it's you know, just I, funny. Like I'm not mad. I just think it's it felt like people were starting to get frustrated in the fourth quarter. You know, I'm glad it wasn't a factor in the game, but the refs were big time garbage. Um, big time garbage. The, the Mavs only anything. shot thir- the Mavs only shot 13 free throws as a team. Uh, they averaged 23.7 uh, per game, which is tied for eighth in the league. And there only were just two some, players shot free throws, Luke and Tim Hardaway. There were just some flat out bad calls. Like that, the bald ref, who I think his name is Mark Davis, miscalled a continuation that was the most clear cut example of continuation that we get. Like even uh, Stan Van Gundy, who, you know, kind of seems to shy, you know, he's just a kind of chronic complainer, but he's just like, that's an obvious continuation. What are we doing here? Um, the Mavericks could have got, could have made this a lot worse. Things got a little junky. Um, yeah. who was Brooklyn it? It was um, threes in the fourth quarter. Yep, Nick Claxton ate ate Luca's lunch a few times on some very five what blocks. Wow. Yeah, he's he's a pretty he's a pretty impressive player. Um, it, it's it's going to be one of these things where you can look into like elements of this game and overthink it, but I just right. can't yeah. emphasize enough how much these guys are just trying to make it to All Star break. Yeah, especially on second night of a back to back. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. we've had our our eyes on this get on this portion of the schedule for for a month, and you know Embiid getting hurt. Um, you know, they play. Then who do we play next game? New York Knicks. The play. Then yeah, you, you play. Are you a little? Are you a little, are you a little scared that 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 Luca is in New York City for like three nights, basically? Good point. <laughs> Because they probably go there and yeah, they're there tonight. They're there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe not he gets going anywhere. His, maybe he gets uh, whatever time out of his system um, now. But yeah. you know, you're looking at this stretch, and when we're we're kind of looking at it in advance, where everybody had sort of a, a there's low key panic that was justified based on how they played in January that the Mavericks could head into All Star break under 500. Um, they still have four games left. So it's, you know, they played New York, Oklahoma, Washington, San Antonio, but even if they go on a four game losing streak, they're still above 500. Yep. And it, this win was nice. This was the, you don't want to call it like, pat, but you're essentially padding your win totals. And yep. that's the sort of thing that, that felt, you know, just pretty good. Um, I, I struggle to really take anything away from this game that we haven't already, you know, discussed in previous nights. Um, I, I suppose we should come back when we let me take a, our, our quick little break. But I, I really wanted to. Um, I think we should talk about the Josh Green of it all. Uh, I think we should sort of talk, you know, circle back to more trade stuff because I don't think we're going to have, unless the Mavericks make another trade, this will be the, or make a trade, which maybe they will. This will be the last time you guys hear from us um, until that Thursday night game uh, against New York. So, all right. So, while you're here, guys, we've got about 200 folks in here. Welcome to the show. Uh, if you could hit the like down there at the bottom, Josh and I would appreciate that on the stream. Uh, if you're down there as well, if you'd consider subscribing, 
um, earlier in the year, I set kind of an asinine figure of what I had hoped for us to our subscriber base to be by the end of the year. We're not going to get to 5,000, but I just kind of picked the number out of the sky. Uh, we are pretty close to 2,500, which is fun. Uh, so if you could uh, hit that subscribe button, I'd appreciate it. Uh, if you're an audio only listener, do me a uh, favor, leave us a review, you know, uh, five stars, shoot me an email. If you, uh, if you really want to talk some Mavs basketball, um, and while you're here on the live stream, guys, if you could leave a comment on the video when it's done, Josh and I would appreciate it. Um, I've gotten some heads up from a few international fans that sometimes our ads don't always post. All I can do is post the ads into the stream. At that point, it is not something I'm in charge of. Uh, I do let my bosses know, and I appreciate. Yeah, there might, that might be like a legal legal thing. Yeah, I, I just appreciate people not fast forwarding through them because we yeah. get paid by every ad impression, and somehow they're able to tell when you fast forward through ads. So I'm going to insert those ads right now. Then Josh and I will be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we are back after five seconds, but <laughs> maybe longer for audio people. So what else do you think we should talk about, Josh? Um uh do you want to i guess you know you talked about the uts before we went into the break so it would only be right that we kind of follow up on uts like like good podcasters that we are i sure. know we wanted to talk about the josh green of it all which will probably lead into some trade talk um yeah. i thought green played a played a pretty good game like nothing crazy uh defensively he was a little bit better but it also helps that brooklyn just does not have any real credible off the ball off the dribble threats that you know they've got a lot of like four like their their roster is weird where they've got a lot of good players but like they don't really have a good point guard you know they've got Spencer Dinwiddie who has morphed back into Washington Dinwiddie uh, Cam Thomas who is not a point guard um he was a shooter in a point guard's body uh and then Dennis Smith Jr. comes off the bench and he actually plays pretty well for them but he's you know he's just a backup so 
Right. You know, they got like Bridges and Claxton and, and Ben Simmons, I guess, is kind of their like de facto point guard. And they got Royce O'Neal and Dorian Freddie Smith and Cam Johnson. It's like all these play finishers, not really too many play starters. Yeah. Um, so you didn't, there wasn't as many opportunities for Josh Green to get slammed uh, in the side by a screen because um, yes. there's not as much screen navigation when you're playing a team like Brooklyn uh, that doesn't really have a, an offensive identity, uh, really. So, you know, he didn't score a ton of points. He two of five from three, 12 points, which is his lowest scoring game in like the last three games. Um, but it's just interesting because he's rumored to, you know, there's some trades out there for the Mavericks because they want to upgrade their forward depth. Uh, and it's just, you know, how much do you feel of what Green is doing in the last, I don't know, maybe call it a week or two? Real? How much is that projectable? And then if it is, like, you look at the Mavericks roster and it's like, you know, Green is a guard. He, he's playing with Luka and Kyrie and he's playing some some three and some four out of necessity. But I think everyone knows that his best position is, is as a guard. Preferably maybe like an off guard next to a point guard so he can get as much touches as possible because that seems to really elevate his game. So you have Luke and Kyrie as your entrenched starters. They're not going anywhere. Um, Dante Exum is here for at least one more season because they have a team option for him next year. So unless something crazy happens, he's back. You've got Jaden Hardy. Um, Seth Curry doesn't even play, but he's exists. And it's like, obviously green should be playing over a lot of these guys, but there's, when Luka and Kyrie is your starting backcourt when healthy, what is the ceiling for Green? Do you see him as like the starter as a three? Because if so, you're awfully small. Like Luka, you know, you're making Luka be your second tallest yep. player on the floor if Green is your starter. So does it make sense to sell while his value is pretty high, get in a Kyle Kuzma, a PJ Washington, a more traditional, not necessarily traditional, but a more well-suited forward that can play the four? consistently and i think that's a lot that's kind of the debate i think raging within probably not only the mavs fandom but but the dallas front office as well because right they don't have a lot of young talent and you don't want to trade green and watch him blow up in charlotte but what does blow up mean like there was this really funny discussion on the mismatch which is the kevin o'connor um podcast over there at the ringer with uh what's his name chris vernon and they somehow like stumbled back into the Luca Kyrie conversation, not Luca Kyrie, Luca Brunson conversation again. And they were talking about whether it's, you know, a mischance for, you know, Dallas leaving, you know, letting Brunson walk was it a mistake, yada, yada. And one of the two of them essentially said, it's like, you know, Brunson wouldn't be able, you know, it's, it's really great that Brunson's putting up these great scoring nights for, for, for uh, New York. He's, Put up forty points the other night, and one of the and the other person answered, "Well, yeah, Luca put up seventy, so it's not like you're choosing between the two of them because Luca is the better player, full stop." And so I I've been thinking about that whenever we talk about other guys in this lineup because it's a question. And Rob Mahoney wrote about this today for the Ringer. If you haven't go uh, gone and checked that out, it's a really lengthy piece. You build around Luca. You build around your stars. And if your peripheral players don't fit, you move along. This is really hard for some people, particularly on the internet, who have like, I just, look, I'm irrationally attached to Tim Hardaway. But if they can get better by by sending Tim Hardaway away, do it. 
And and there's just segments of the fan base that get super attached to specific players. And it's like, Luca is the generational superstar. Everybody else is secondary. That includes Kyrie. This isn't that complicated. So it, you know, is he a fine backup guard? Sure. I'm glad that more and more people are at least agreeing that he's a guard. That's something that's important to me. So there's this, there's this guy on Twitter. His name is is uh, Skyfall. It's at Polarfall. He is an NBA draft analysis. I'm pretty sure he is uh, South Korean, and he English is his second language, but he has been a hell of a basketball evaluator for a while. He had a series of tweets on Josh Green the other night that I want to read out loud. He says, Josh Green is a tough type to evaluate on defense. He's, he's very good at one-on-one chasing or ball pressing. He's very poor at every screen. He dies on simple on and off screens all the time. He stunt stunt and nail digging is good when there's no pick. So it's kind of the center of the floor type stuff. Doesn't know when and where to go with switches. (laughs) He one of the worst rim protection block player. When you consider his superior athleticism, I call it Harrison Barnes syndrome. His career block total is 27, not in a single year. 27 blocks in 207 games. He is not a point of attack defender, but he is a good team defender. So his, as a result, I think his defense is not a fit with the Mavericks. And that's sort of something that I come back to. Like Jay says, green is a defensive minded wing. He's just not, he's not good at defense. Like wings are Kevin Durant or Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. Like Josh green is a small guard. He is six foot four. I, Anybody that says differently just doesn't know how heights work. Go look at how he pairs up against a normal-sized NBA super normal size, like a superstar wing. Yeah. I I think his archetype, like he should be a defense first player. I mean, that's why he was drafted. Was so insanely funny. Yeah. I mean, but like we've we're in year four and he has not made the defensive strides that you would hope uh, he has gotten a little bit better in one-on-one situations to where mm-hmm. he was in his rookie year. Um, I think he is a good, uh, you know, when they want to do like a full, like I wrote about this when the Mavericks beat the Knicks, when they sick him on a lead guard full court, like that's a, that can be a pretty valuable weapon. Like he's Australia to, used him with that. He was he, great at that. With he's able to, yeah, he's able to gunk it up, but then in the half court, like, the way that he's able to be taken out of the game defensively, like so easily with screens and off ball navigation, that's the stuff that like, obviously young players, that's what probably one of the hardest things defensively for young players to learn is how to navigate screens and how to navigate off ball actions, because these guys are not seeing that in college or wherever they came from, you know, usually before they get the NBA, like the level of screening and off ball action in the NBA is just, it's not even close to college basketball. He saw nothing like this in like in Arizona, like guys setting legitimate screens and stuff like that. So uh, that's tough to learn, but we're in year four. And I feel like if anything, he's regressing defensively. Like it feels like I'm not seeing that step up offensively. He's maybe developed better than any player I've seen in my life. Which is why he's still playing a ton. Like his <laughs> offense is why he's actually staying on the floor, like, which is just weird. He he went from a guy his rookie year that I didn't know knew how to play, like put the basketball in the hoop. And now he's maybe one of the most in efficient role players in the NBA. Like he had a 64 and a half true shooting percentage last season, which is outrageous for a guy on the perimeter. Like that's not just a dunk, you know, not like a, a rim diving dunker. And he's 
right on the precipice of another 60 plus true shooting percentage season. Like to do that within like four years of development is really impressive, but the Mavericks have had a great offense for a while. They need, they've had a terrible defense, uh, an average or below average defense, basically every year of the Luca era, except for the one year they went to the Western conference finals. So it's like, how do you get that top 10 defense? Obviously you would like green to develop into that, but we're in year four now and I'm just not seeing it. So, but it's one of those things where it's not necessarily like, okay, they have to ship him out. No, of this. No, if they don't trade Josh Green this week, that doesn't really matter. Like, if they don't make a move, I think I'm kind of, but it's okay. But it comes back to the other side where it's like, if they do, like, let's, for instance, let's say he, they do feel like they can trade him for PJ Washington. Sure. It's not like, what are they doing? Like, they just gave away a cornerstone. Like, it's also not that level. Like, it's the Mavericks have a ton of guards. Luke and Kyrie are going to start, they're going to be guards preferably green's best position is probably the two you don't have any credible fours right now besides maybe maxi who's finally kind of shown some life but grant williams has been a disaster you need some forwards you need some better bigger wings so if they feel like we've got the surplus of guards let's balance the roster and and bring in a pj washington or a kyle kuzma it's a better to have a better balanced lineup i don't think that's yeah And and if you don't like PJ, I kind of get it. Yeah, I get that too. He's not a player that's, he's not a perfect player either. So again, that's why it's like, I don't, either way, I don't really see a problem with them going either direction at the trade deadline. Like the Mavs are just like, it's, it's hard to kind of discuss in a rational way because again, I say this most nights, if you're primarily a Mavericks fan watcher, you don't realize how small they are until they get destroyed by a huge team. And then you kind of go through the lineup and you look at everybody and look, guys, I know what I know what the, the, the dang NBA.com thing says. I also know how tall I am. And I also know I've stood next to these players like Grant Williams is six foot four. <laughs> it, it, Josh Green is also six foot four. Just watch them stand next to each other. Kyrie is six foot one. Luka Doncic should not be your team's second biggest guy on the floor all the time. At least that's what they're building towards. And that's and what they're so, saying. They're saying that too. They're like, saying that. They they're want defense like rebounding in size. That was one of the things that was in um, Rob Mahoney's piece today. You know, and his doc wrote about it last year. It's like, it's just a big size thing. So it's not an, an, an indictment of the player because I think, I mean, hell. I For him to be him. where he's at right now compared to his rookie season. I want a Josh Green sent to the moon. And so the <laughs> fact that he's a useful rotation player is a win. Yeah. It is such an important win. And if they don't move him, if he's on the team, I really don't think I'm going to be bothered by it. I'm still going to get mad at him, but it's not like I want him shipped out. Like Grant Williams, straight to jail. Enough. Enough with Grant Williams. Go away. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where I'm at. You know, if they can, if they feel like they can upgrade their three or four spot without trading a draft pick and that involves Josh Green, like Mm -hmm. at, at a certain point, if you don't want them to make a trade, like if you're just like, no, this guy, I only want them to trade him for like a real like star. Then that's a discussion. Like that's the end of the discussion. Okay, fine. That's how you feel. I'm not going to change your mind. But if you want them to make a trade, but then it's like, oh, well, don't include Josh green. Like you have to trade something to get something. Yeah. Like you're not going to get PJ Washington. Oh, we're not. We're Rashawn not. Holmes and, and, and Seth Curry and, and second round picks. Like you just have to give up something to get something so so if you don't want them to trade him i understand 
that viewpoint entirely. But if you sure. do want them to make a move, but you're also like, but it can't be Josh or it can't be Jaden Hardy. It's like, you know, you got to, got to think about, you know, you got to give the other team something to. I mean, this has been two games in a row where Tim Hardaway has been removed when things were going sideways and then the Mavericks pull it out. And I have been a Tim Hardaway super fan. Do you have conspiracy theories on he thinks there's something going on that we don't know? No, no. I just think that like I've seen now, now I've seen a series of games without Tim mattering and for the, and because Kyrie's back, that's the big draw there. Now I'm like, okay, if they move on from Tim, I get it. (laughs) You're okay now. Have you made peace? Well, and it also helps that Green's hitting 40%. Like, you know, if Green's going to keep hitting his threes, that also helps. Like, Lord help them if if Green goes into another, you know, stretch where he's making, or Maxi also. um, Because Derek Jones Jr. has kind of turned into a pumpkin very, very quietly. uh, But, that's okay. That's not really his fault. That's a good comment from Che in the chat. Josh doesn't have help along the perimeter until Kyrie, who rotates when Josh's screens come back. Let's be realistic. Josh has to overcompensate when he's on the floor with four non-defenders. I think, I mean, four non-defenders are a little harsh because, you know, Lively's out there too. Um, Derek Jones, pretty good defender. I I think that that is a fair point, but that's also the criticism that I'm leveling where it's like the Mavericks really do need like a true superstar wing defender. They need a guy that can really go out and lock someone down. And they just haven't had anyone in a long time. Dorian was a great chaos defender who was great off ball, who they used in point of attack situations. And he became fried chicken every time. Like granted, you know, it's hard for me to get too mad at him about not being able to guard Dame Lillard, but those are the kind of guys you've got to guard and, and you just got to get lucky. And, I, I don't know where they get lucky, but that's where I, I sort of settle back into the trade discussion where I'm like, I don't want to give away a draft pick for a player who doesn't move the needle. And my friend Brian kind of accused me today. He's like, you don't like any of these players. I'm like, you know what? I'd be fine with PJ Washington. I'd be fine with um, the guy from the Bucks. I don't know if that does anything to the, to the alleviate the big picture problems. Like, are they, do they go from being a set? What are they right now? Eight seed, seven seed? You think I know this? We run a map site. Um, they're, it's not like they're moving into the, out of the plan with with one of these trades. I don't think. You don't think? Wait, you don't think they're moving out of the plan? No, I think no matter what they do, they're stuck in that ten seven to ten range. The one okay. through four is locked at this point. You're not. Yeah. You're not getting into the top four. And I, I just, I think they and, would require. And New Orleans and, and Phoenix are playing really well. Maybe yeah. you catch Sacramento, who's been kind of weird. But Sacramento um, owns the Mavericks. <laughs> it's the Styles make fights thing, so it's it's tough for me. So it's like any sort of um, ta- a coin coin flip thing. Uh, they they've won all those tiebreaker stuff, right? Yeah, that's true. But yeah, so it's, I, yeah, it's. <sighs> I think whatever. Tra- I mean, the the nice thing about the, the the players they're targeting is one, it seems like they're targeting at least the the right player. Um, uh, you know, like they're not targeting small guards or something. Um, I feel like <laughs> Kirk, I don't know if it, <laughs> this guy, I know we got a Josh Green super fan of the chat, but no, no, this <laughs> is like it's interesting analysis. He's not like throwing it, just like I sort of come with, with most NBA stuff where I'm just like, if you can't navigate a screen, I can't help you. Yeah, there's two parts of guarding a screen, not trying to deny that that his, his pick and roll defensive partner is also not always doing his job, yeah. but. There's plenty of tape of green, just like 
Like we're pretty sure you can't trail the ball handler by like five feet after after. I, I am also here. fairly certain that Josh hurts his elbow because he leads into screens like he thinks he's Derrick Henry. Yeah. So, uh, but I, what I was gonna say is, uh, at least you know they seem to be targeting the right position because they need forwards, they need wings, they need players that can play the four. Yeah. Which both Kuzma and Washington can, um, and also they're targeting guys that are close enough to the Luca timeline because Washington's 25 Kuzma's a little older 28 but when Kyrie's 31 you know yep. it's not too bad and those guys are on multi-year deals so you're not worried about losing them anytime soon um and they're on relatively good contracts like Washington is pretty cheap for what he is um, people might think he's overpaid a little bit considering his production this year in Charlotte which it's fine but his contract's not that bad it's not that much bigger than Grant Williams let's just say that yeah um and then Kuzma's contract is pretty good. Like it declines every year. So like, I don't know if they're going to get these guys and you don't give, you don't give brownie points for, well, we didn't make a trade, but we wanted these guys. Like, you know, that's, that's kind of fake, but uh, at the very least, you know, they seem to have the right idea of the player they want. Um, I also thought that when they got Grant Williams, so uh, we'll see uh, what they do, but yeah, I just, I think me and you are both in agreement that we're pretty much okay with almost any trade they make as long as it doesn't involve the first that they can give this year. Which the chatter, which is so stupid. Like you're, you're like, we, we'll think about this stuff in a week. And so much of this is just like, it's just such a waste of oxygen because <laughs> it's it's either much ado about nothing or they'll make a single move. At least with the Kyrie thing, that seemed to be sort of telegraphed to us. I mean, you head on over to mazmoneyball.com today and I'm just going to share the share our screen real quick. Um, we did. You know what? Am I going to share the screen? Yeah, I'm going to share. I'm going to share my entire screen. Uh, if you head on over to Mavs Moneyball, we got a whole bunch of stuff going on over there today. You know, we had first we had CBA Mavs. Everybody's friend Scott. He wrote a a, a a nice explainer. What draft picks can the Mavericks trade? Um, I also bumped up his his post trying to explain what it would take for the Mavericks to trade Josh Green because he's essentially a poison pill contract. Though I feel like that's a little bit of a misnomer because his contract is is a certain way on purpose. Um, then we got uh, a poll up that I would like you guys to go take if you want. That's basically around. It's got a three questions around the trade deadline, and I would like to get this chat and anybody listening to the podcast's opinion on. It takes like thirty seconds to go click through the questions. Our guy Ben uh, wrote a piece uh, making the argument that the Mavericks shouldn't make any trade at the deadline. And then our other one of the many mats that writes at Mavs Moneyball wrote a piece that the Mavericks should hold on to Josh Green makes a strong argument for that. Uh, what else did we have? Then we had oh man, Xavier, our guy Xavier, normally known for sort of throwing bombs at the face of of Mavs fans, wrote a very interesting case for Andrew Wiggins. It makes me angry because I hate Andrew Wiggins like kind of religiously, but convincing article which is you know xavier tends to throw bombs so the fact that he was able to sway you know at least make me go hmm is is something so uh what else man is there anything else we want to touch on or so we we just sort of you know kind of wrap this one up and i'll head on to our second live show yeah we could probably wrap this thing up i don't know you know there wasn't anything tactically i thought was particularly interesting you know i think the minutes thing with luca was pretty outrageous like yeah i actually like I don't want to end on the podcast on a downer note, but that was bad. Like they were up. Oh, I think they were up 20 to enter the yeah. fourth quarter. 
I don't understand how you don't get Luca. He played the entire second half. Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand how you don't give him a three to four minute break. He is now 42 minutes or more in five of the last six games. Yeah. Um, and Kyrie's back. Like, how do you not let him sit the first three to four minutes like Kyrie Cook, who's playing spectacular? Like, and by the way, they lost the lead anyway with Luke on the floor. Like, nothing would have materially okay. changed about this outcome of this game if because you sat Luke at four minutes in the fourth quarter. This is bad. That's thing, bad. The secret Luca criticism is is the the plus minus. Yeah, and the lead was only cut to six. But the 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 Luca on off numbers. Like that's the criticism of his camp of if, if you don't like him as a player, that's where you start with the Luca criticism is the on off numbers. And the Mavericks are weird shit happens sometimes with him on and off the floor. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's kid. I don't know if it's the rotations. I, it, it deserves a longer look and I'm not smart enough for it. I'm just going to say, you know, the, the easy out is to blame kid. As much as I like to do that, I'm not sure if I can in this circumstance because I also think there's something to Luca basically saying, I'm going to play. Like he told Kid the other night, I can play all 45, 48 minutes. Like he likes to play. Kid needs to protect him from himself. Yeah. I mean, if, if, I mean, if that's where we're at, then, then there's, well, of course, I mean, that's where we're at. The guy went on, the guy went on local radio and was like, you know who, you know who's a lot like Jesus Christ and Gandhi? I know. Luka Doncic. I know, but that like, means he's this, is, this is less like in-game decision-making stuff and like foundational organizational well, of course. problems. So I, don't, I guess we can't talk about that tonight. I mean, we can, but we've just <laughs> yeah. been talking about it for years and it's, you know, yeah. it, it's, I, I wrote it in my piece the other night. Like there's a little, I don't want to call it organizational rot. That feels a bit mean for a team. That <laughs> That's what I was thinking in my head, but, but it's, it's, it's akin to that in that there's, there's just a, a, a culture of excuse making horseshit that goes on with the Mavericks and not a culture of excellence. And it drives me nuts. That's all. They'll still continue to win games. Cause Luca is that good. And Kyrie is that good, but you know, failing up is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. <laughs> uh, do you want a fun a fun Grant Williams stat? I absolutely want a fun Grant so, Williams stat. So he's at seven, eight, nine, ten. He has ten turnovers in the last five games. And in those five games, he has eight made field goals. <laughs> so <laughs> um which is great, like I don't know how he has so many turnovers because he's purely like like that pass he made tonight in the fourth quarter. Like I just. The turnovers are killer, man. Well, this is largely because I have a seven-year-old who I'm trying to teach basketball stuff to, but I had a assistant basketball coach who used to scream at me all the time in high school. He's a groundskeeper for the Texas Rangers. Now his name's Pat Hernandez. Shout out, Pat. Shout out coach Hernandez. And he used to yell at me in his thick country accent. Know when to go and know when to whoa. <laughs> and I think about that time every time Grant Williams does something because he's inhabited the jo- or uh, he has inherited the Josh Green oh shit thing when he dribbles and when he goes places because he always looks like he's about to fall down. Josh Green used to do that before he figured out his speed was a weapon. And Grant is just a stumbling, bumbling, rumbling idiot, and I can't handle him anymore. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Mavs win. So good, good game. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. You know, all right. We'll, 
Knicks game will be fun. It will be fun. Six thirty-two. We love that. Then they play at two o'clock on Saturday. Don't know what. Whoa, don't know. Okay. This is amazing. It's early okay. stuff. It's, look how chipper and happy I am. I um, all right, so guys, you want to hang around here? I'm going to turn on our second post game show where you can come hang out, argue basketball with me if you want. Hopefully, Brian will join us again to start the show. Uh, but obviously, you know, we got tons of people that seem to want to talk. My my guy, this guy Jordan, who used to join the the um, the old. Uh, other post game shows that I ran on uh green room or whatever the hell it was called. Uh, he sent me a message said he wants to join tonight. So we will, uh, yeah, we will have fun. Um, please hang out and let's see here. Nothing else other than check Mavs money ball as much as possible. But, uh, Josh, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Any last comments? No, no, you guys have fun tonight. We'll All right. We'll Thursday. be right back here. I'm going to press this uh, button thing. And then uh, for those listening on the audio feed, if it's a long enough show, I will uh, do it in a separate podcast, which will go up on Wednesday daytime. Everybody else hold tight.